Greetings in the name of Jesus. Welcome the visitors here with us. You're always welcome to return. Jesus answered a lot of questions in his day. We marvel at the wisdom and the gentleness and the insight that he displayed in that process. Perhaps we've all wished that we had the ability to answer questions the way that he did. Recently, I was reading in the Gospel of Mark, and there are a series of chapters there. I was, it struck me at all the questions that Jesus answered. And it, I wondered as I read that, you know, is there something that we could learn from the way that Jesus fielded the questions that came to him? And so this is a little different sort of a sermon. I just thought I would go through those chapters and pick out the things, the questions, and the answers that Jesus faced and what he gave, and uh, perhaps point out some things that, uh, that we can learn from Jesus' example in that. So turn to Mark 11. <clears throat> the title of the sermon is The Questions We Ask, The Answers We Give. The questions we ask, the answers we give. And of course, we can't put ourselves in, in, in the same situation that Jesus did, but I think there's probably times when we can, uh, we can apply the things that we see in the wisdom of Christ. And obviously, you know, perhaps not all questions fit under one of these, and the situations are entirely different. And so we can't expect to take any one of these principles and say, well, this tells us all that we need to know. But looking at all these together, perhaps there are some things that can help us. As we deal with the questions that others may ask of us, or even as we wrestle with the questions that we have in our own minds, This is too lengthy just to read the whole thing. I'm just going to pick out bits and pieces here. <clears throat> and, um, and point out some, some applications. <clears throat> Mark 11. Uh, maybe this wasn't a direct question that we that he had here in verse uh, 21 and 22 but it was a response to G that Jesus had to something that Peter said you know Jesus this is right before the the last week of Jesus life and there Jesus and disciples are going into Jerusalem and Jesus goes up to this fig tree and there's no fruit there and he said well I curse you and they came back through the next day and Peter said oh, wow look Jesus that tree is just completely dried up. That one that you cursed? Wow. And Jesus said, have faith in God. 
Have faith in God. And as we face questions, our own questions or the questions of others, I think that needs to be a bedrock principle that we should apply that whatever it is that some seeming unanswerable question that it would make us begin to doubt God, we need to say, well, no matter what, I may not be able to explain this. I may not understand it. It might seem counterintuitive, and yet I put my faith in God. Nothing is going to shake my faith in God. That needs to be a bedrock on which we stand. But nothing can move us away from our faith in God. Well, then there were the, the chief priests in verse 27, scribes and the elders came and said, uh, Mr. Jesus, tell us by what authority you're speaking, what authority you're doing all this. And in response, he asked a question of them. He said, well, John, what was his source of authority? You know, did, was he from God? Or was he just speaking on his own? And well, that put them in a quandary because they, either way, they kind of backed themselves in a corner. And they said, well, you know, we don't know. And Jesus said, well, then I'm not going to answer your question either. He saw through their duplicity And, um, you know, Jesus did not feel a need to defend himself. You know, our own feelings about ourselves can really get in the way of, 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 of causes issues when we answer questions. The, um, the uh, scribes, the, these Jewish leaders that asked this question, they, uh, they weren't willing to stick their neck out and really say what they were thinking. You know, they came for bad motives. I think they were trying to tempt him or to discredit him. And, uh, you know, Jesus, he could have, he could have uh, really made him look bad. But he just said, well, you know, I'm not going to answer your question then either. The quality in the life, that quality in the life of Christ, of a need to prove an opponent wrong. And that is something that, I don't know about you, but it's something that is a, a real temptation to me. That when I'm on the other side of an issue from somebody, the need to prove them wrong is very strong. And it's something that, that I need to squelch. And I think we all need to squelch. We don't have to prove other people wrong. We can state what is true and let it go at that. Um, Jesus, he just, he didn't go there. Our interaction with people will be much more pleasant and in the end more effective if we resist the impulse to have the last word. Continuing on with with that encounter then, I think we could also say that not all questions need to be answered. 
Jesus didn't answer their question because they, they didn't really come honestly, I don't think. I think they easily could have known if they would have had an honest heart. But Jesus just didn't answer. And, and I think we can say that, you know, we don't have to answer. We don't have to feel like we need to understand every question. Sometimes the questions I've said, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's awful tempting to go on and make a good guess. Maybe that's good sometimes. But it's okay to say, I don't know. And out of that encounter in, in uh, chapter 12, verse 13, it says, the, <clears throat> uh, well, Jesus went on then to, to uh, give a parable that really, it, it did, it did uh, speak to the issue of the attitudes of these Jewish leaders. And, you know, they recognized, I think they knew that Jesus was supernatural, that he came from God. And yet they rejected him and what he had to say. And Jesus told this parable about <clears throat> a, a man who planted a vineyard and he rented it out. And when he, he wanted to get his, his rent from, uh, you know, they were kind of sharecroppers, I guess. And he sent some servants to collect it and they, they threw them out and maybe even killed some of them. And then he said, well, look, I'm going to send my son. And, you know, they'll, they'll respect him. And, but you know, it wasn't that they were such evil men that they even killed the owner's son. And Jesus said, what is that king, that owner going to do while he's going to destroy him and rent it out to somebody else? And they realized that he was speaking directly to them in that parable. Sometimes a story, if we have a proper story it's a is a good answer to a question we don't have to say you know what you are wicked and evil people because you're rejecting the one that God sent to you but you know a story like this may make the point without being so confrontational They came, so then after that, after they realized, you know what, Jesus was really speaking to us and it just stirred up their anger. And, and then the Pharisees and the Herodians, uh, an, an unlikely uh, partnership, came and they asked this question, should we pay taxes? Is it lawful to pay tribute to Caesar or not? Shall we give or shall we not give? And they did it for the express, they asked this question for the express purpose of, of catching him in his words. You know, sometimes we feel like some questions we face are disingenuous, not really sincere and honest. Now we need to be careful. It would be a terrible mistake to to feel or accuse someone of not being sincere in their question when really they are. That would be a disgrace to our testimony. It's better to be 
to be taken in something than to falsely accuse somebody. I remember many years ago asking a man a question and uh, I thought I had him backed into a corner where he had to give the answer I wanted. And he simply said, well, he said, let's look at that from another angle. And I was just amazed at his wisdom and ashamed of myself. Let's look at that from another angle. <laughs> I think God must have given him an answer. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Shall we give or not give? Well, Jesus, uh, he didn't answer it from the options that they gave him. You know, do we pay or do we not? Well, Jesus said, let's look at it from another angle. He said, there are some things that we owe God and there are some things that we owe to others, whether it be our government, or our families, or our church. They don't have to be contradictory to each other. You know, they, they pose this question as an either or. You know, it's either this or it's this. Well, many questions are more nuanced than that. And um, sometimes we simply need to back up and look at it from another angle and gently help others to do that as well. <clears throat> I recall reading in a biography about uh, George R. Brunk, the original George R. Brunk. And uh, he had gone to bat. There was a, a boy who was a member of their church and uh, they had kind of taken a stand against giving the Pledge of Allegiance. And this was back when patriotism was very, very strong. And... Um, you know, he went to bat with the school board or the school administration about this thing. And one of these uh, men that were meeting with him said, well, he said, do you love your country or not? Yes or no? And George R. said, well, he said, have you stopped beating your wife or not? Yes or no? Not a good answer to that question, is there? So let's be aware that sometimes we need to couch our answers in another sense in which they're given. In verse 24 of chapter 12, they... Uh, Let's see, the Sadducees came to him this time. You know, they were, they were the Jewish liberals. They, they were really off in their, uh, some of their understandings. And, and they came with, uh, said, you know, one place says they, they don't believe in the resurrection, they didn't believe in angels. And uh, they seem to be more, more at ease with the Roman occupiers. And so they weren't, the Pharisees were much more popular than the Sadducees, but they came and asked this question, you know, about this, this poor woman who survived seven husbands 
And, uh, you know, whose wife would she be in the resurrection? And Jesus gave them a little more than what they asked for, actually. He, he did answer this uh, complex question about <laughs> marriage, <coughs> but he said, well, you know, really, marriage is a, an earthly arrangement. It's not something that continues in heaven. <coughs> perhaps much to the disappointment of you romantics. But um, he also went beyond that, and, and he cleared up some misconceptions that they had. 24, you do not, do you not therefore, pardon me, do ye not therefore err because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God. And so as we face questions, we do need to know the scriptures. Often there are principles, there are direct answers, there are verses which give, give us clues as to what the answer is or maybe give us a direct answer. Um, and he spoke of, of how the, the scriptures spoke of God being the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, that these men, he is the God. He says, I am the God. Not I was, but these men still live and he is still their God. And because you do not understand what the scriptures teach, you fall into error. We need to go back to Scripture. We need to know it. And I think often the Holy Spirit brings, as we're in proper tune with God, the Holy Spirit can bring things to our remembrance, answers to the questions that we face. And sometimes we discredit the power of God. And we feel like, you know what, we're, we just really messed up. Well, maybe we aren't always able to give a very definitive answer. But if we display our faith in God, that tells our question or something. You know, here's somebody that, you know, he did stumble around a bit, but his faith was unshaken and perhaps challenges them. I think it's safe to say that the answers to all questions lie in the principles of Scripture. Maybe we can't answer every question to the nth degree, but I think there are principles there that we can rest upon. There was another question that came to Christ. Uh, one of the scribes, he was impressed with how Jesus answered. And he said, yes, master, thou hast said the truth. <coughs> uh, well, okay, they had come in, in verse 28. One of the scribes came and, and said, which is the first? And I think we could, could interpret that the most important commandment. Of all, of all the things that God asks of us, what is the most important? 
And you know, Jesus just simply gave a direct answer. I, I would tend to think that that was an honest question. That this scribe was impressed at the knowledge of Christ. And, and this was something that was, I think, a, a point of argument among the Jews. They had all sorts of silly questions, but you know, maybe it didn't matter which one was the most important. What matters is whether we obey what God says. But Jesus gave him an honest answer. He said, well, he said, the most important is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's the first one, the most important one. The second one that's real close to it is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no other commandments greater than these. And maybe we won't face that direct question, and yet there's a principle, there are principles there that I think do help us in answering any question that, first of all, our commitment to God is the most important issue in our life. As we face many questions... That principle should underlie any answer that we give. That our commitment to God is the most important aspect of our life. And then, <clears throat> questions about how we relate to other people. We all face those things. Personally, we wrestle with it. How should I respond? What should I do or not do? And here is an underlying principle that every person is just as important as I am. Others are equal to me before God. God loves them, wants their well-being just as much as he wants God's. As he wants others, sorry. Two principles that can answer many, many questions. It's quite likely that all the problems we create for ourselves have their root in a disregard for those two principles. Allowing anything to have priority over God or failing to consider others as equal to ourselves. In chapter 13, verse 5, verse 4, the well, Jesus has said here in the beginning of the chapter, they were looking at the temple, the disciples were pointing things out, and uh, Jesus said, you see these things? It's going to be totally destroyed. Every stone is going to be thrown down of these beautiful, marvelous buildings that you know, Herod had spent, what, 35 years uh, constructing? And, uh, you know, you can just imagine maybe their mouths kind of dropped open. They looked back at that and they looked at Jesus. And, and, and later on, some of the disciples said, Jesus, you know, when's this going to happen anyway? And um, it's interesting how Jesus began with his answer. They asked, what shall, we, what shall be the sign when these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus didn't 
start off saying, well, you know, there's going to be all kinds of trouble and unrest. And when you see the army surrounding, he didn't say that on another occasion. Why, you know, just leave, get out of there because the city's going to fall, basically is what he said. But here he said, take heed that no man deceive you. In other words, there are answers to questions that we have that are false. People can, can, what's the current political term? False narratives. Uh, the, the false narratives were happening back in Jesus' day. Uh, be careful that no man deceive you. There will be false Christ. There will be false prophets. People who purport to speak in the name of God but in reality have no word from God who serve only themselves. You know, there have been, in the last century, there have been various cults, various people who claim to speak in the name of God, but who have set dates, you know, whenever. I'm not going to go into some of the things, but you can, you can easily find it. But, you know, Christ is going to come here. The world's going to be destroyed here. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Let's not get caught up in the finite predictions of men. False statements can happen in all fields of life. In business, in marriage, in society, in academia, politics, unsanctified people with an agenda promote falsehoods or twist truth into something that's unrecognizable. Be careful of the deception of men. You know, even supernatural wonders does not prove that one is of God. If we go down to, um, let's see, 1322. You know, if any man shall say in you, 21, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not, for false Christ and false prophet shall rise and shall so show signs and wonders. Revelation specifically speaks of that as well. Don't be taken in just because somebody says, I predict this or God gave me a word on that. And maybe it does come true. Be careful though. Does scripture bear out their lives? Be careful of the deception of men. Back to verse 11 then is an interesting passage. It says, uh, Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to be with you when you feel hard questions, when you're in difficult circumstances. Take no thought. Don't worry about when they arrest you and they put you beyond trial or they torture you 
Don't worry about it because God will be with you and give you what to say. Does that mean that we should never consider something like that? That we shouldn't prepare ourselves as well as we can? Well, you know, Jesus said, don't take, take no thought, but you know, he also said, take no thought for your raiment or your food. Does that mean we don't do what we can for ourselves? I think not. But God, through the means that he has provided, will give you your clothes and your food and an answer. We should prepare ourselves. We should study the scripture. We should be knowledgeable. We should think about things. And yet our trust needs to be in God. I confess that I've often ended up feeling at loss as to how to answer things, how to respond to situations. And yet as I considered this, I also had to think of a few times, well, you know, it just seems like an answer came from nowhere in a way that it felt like it was just something beyond what I was capable of. I think God gave an answer. And we can't always feel that way, I'm sure. And yet God is there. And we should ask him how to respond. Sometimes it's a breathing of prayer on the moment. We ask God and we yield ourselves to him. God does step in for us when we are truly destitute. However, I think our attitudes are crucial. Our attitudes can either hinder or help God's helping us. If we're looking for an answer simply to prove a person wrong, to show that we're right, I don't think we can expect much help from God. We need to be just as humble when we're right as when we're wrong. We need to be just as humble when we're right as when we're wrong. Thirteen thirty-two also has an interesting statement regarding answers to questions. Uh, Jesus said of that day, speaking of his return, of uh, when he'll take his own to be with him from verse 27. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels in heaven, neither the Son. You know, Jesus is saying right here, there's some questions that I can't answer. There's some information that I don't know. And he was okay with that. I think that was a temporary laying down of some of his divine knowledge when he became flesh Perhaps that's part of the way that he embraced 
life as we know it. He did understand a lot of things that we don't and can't. Uh, the Bible very specifically says that he could read people's minds, which we certainly can. But here he says there's something that I don't know. I think he does now. But knowledge of some things is restricted, and we need to realize that for ourselves, that we're satisfied not to know all the answers and to admit it. Although we don't know all the answers, there are some certainties on which we can stand. If the whole world stands on one side of an issue and God stands on the other, we need to respond the way that the Roman writer did when he said, let God be true and every man a liar. God is always right. He is always true. Have faith in God. God is true. His word is true. Jesus speaks with authority. <clears throat> we must be careful of the motives with which we ask and answer questions. That we can't control how other people do. We can decide how we will do, though. Be careful of traps that are laid. And never lay one yourself. Some questions are answered with, some questions are not answered with a yes or a no, or a choice between two options. Answers are often nuanced. Be content with not knowing. Know what you can and let the rest in God's hands. And may we put these two supreme principles into play as we ask and answer questions that our commitment, our love of God is first above anything else and others are equal to ourselves. Thank you for your good attention. Let's have a song.